cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Through the Matrix on November the 20th, 2008. For the newcomers, I advise that you look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and download as many of the talks as you wish. They're free and I give you the shortcuts to the big picture to try and bring you into reality and it's a painful process to shed many of your beliefs and shed your illusions of the old system as you come through this process. It takes time to absorb information, and information will act on you personally. And the more you understand, the more you'll have to start making decisions in your own life. When you realize that the ones that you were making before were all based on indoctrinated, downloaded opinions that you accepted. Also look into alanwattsentinel.eu for transcripts which you can download. These are all the talks I've given in the past. Print them up. They're done in the various languages of Europe and pass them around to your friends. And you have to be prepared too in this journey to lose some of your acquaintances. Either that or you have to sublimate your emotions and your feelings and act to be accepted by them because you will no longer really belong anymore into the same crowds who are still under complete indoctrination. That's a difficult concept for people to understand. They think they're individualistic. They think that they've made their own choices up until now. They even fight and argue over politics and even differences within the political parties. And they don't realize that every Every disagreement has been downloaded into them as well. It's kind of having a a fiction given to you, an abstract fiction, and making the people believe it and have them fight over it, or people fighting over the shape of the earth. Is it square? Is it flat? Is it round? It's kind of like that, the whole idea of politics, because politics has never, ever been for the people it's been really the entertainment side of the rich people of the world that's the entertainment arm that's what politics is about when they put in their front people and they're run by think tanks I read an article last a few days ago maybe Monday or Tuesday about the men behind Obama and the think tanks and the funding of the think tanks by Soros, George Soros, and others. Meanwhile, here's all the people voting in what they think, as it's been presented to them, is someone who came out of nowhere, who has good intentions, who's an individual doing his own thing, and that nothing is further from the truth. He's the front man for a big, massive, powerful organization. 
an organisation that does not take opinions from the public and put them into action. They do not polls upon the public to find out what they're thinking, but that's so they can find out how to manipulate the public all the more easier. I have an article here from this particular tank that is funding and put in Obama and will tell him what to do. And as for the, for the Center for American Progress Action Fund, I'll put this link up on my website, and it's in the form of a book. You can look up to it, look into it, and you'll see what's coming, what's projected for the next few years under this new frontman, the ruler. I'll be back with more after the following break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Before we go on to my main topic tonight, I've been discussing this, this book, this, this e-book that's up there that all the top Democrats have been advised to read to do with the think tank that's running this incoming president. And under the, under the, the different t- subtitles here, Change for America, book chapters, they have all the different categories of really what they, they want to do in different departments in the government. And it even has Department of State rebuilding and repositioning. We've got to remember the Department of State is a very powerful department. That was a, the department that was thought to be infiltrated heavily with communists during the 50s. The reason for it being that it seemed to be promoting internationalism in a big, big way. And it had to because it was already designed to go international. That was the function of it. And to help bring in this world system, this world governmental system. But now they're going to revamp it again, which means that big changes are coming for the U.S. and the whole planet, basically. It also mentions in here how they're going to have a vibrant, low-carbon economy. So that means everything's going to be incredibly expensive. And then, of course, there's another article there about health care. This is about the change in health care, which will give you, which goes along with the UN Charter, that everyone's entitled in this world system to the most basic health care. And they do say basic health care. We already have that in Canada. And in the 80s, in Canada and most British Commonwealth countries, and the, and the states as well, that's when they emptied out their psychiatric hospitals and they put all the patients on the streets. It was all done internationally at the same time. But also they started closing down all the, the smaller hospitals, the country hospitals, in preparation for what's coming up shortly. That's how far ahead everything is planned. Because this universal health care is to be a universal health care authority. Authority. That means as a force of law to carry out its mandates. We have to understand that nothing develops by itself is planned long in advance and often before you're even born. So as I say, I'll put this link up and you can read through all of this. It gives you clues to where the country will be taken. Last night I talked about Charles Galton Darwin and 
the groups that he belonged to, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And I was reading from his book, The Next Million Years, written this one here in 1952, I guess it was the first publication of it. Now, this man had such in incredible connections, but like most of these authors, they give little clues to the fact that science was so far ahead of what the public were told, so far ahead of what universities were told as well, that it's just astounding. Because you find that he worked in the 1920s. Charles Galton Darwin, the physicist, with Rutherford, who was the top mathematician for the Royal Society in Britain. Rutherford, in fact, is the main man who did the final calculations on the, the structure and size and dimensions of the pyramids, the Great Pyramids of Egypt. And Rutherford, in his own memoirs, wrote that he was working as a mathematician on a project to do with human genes back in the 1920s. Long before, supposedly, they'd even been able to see the human genes. They just suspected they were there. That's what we're, we're told in the books up until about the 70s. So there's little giveaways, if you understand the way they write. And most people will gloss over these little inconsistencies with the way you've been taught how history developed. But he, get, he, he, he tells you things here that have come to pass. Remember, this is written in 52. And one of the things that he mentioned would come would be the creation of a universal religion. I've mentioned before that some of the other top biggies, like Gorbachev, have written about the creating the same thing, a, an earth-based religion. And that ties in with, with the economy, the ecology, uh, carbon taxes, all of that stuff you see is based on this and that we are creating the problems. I've read the articles from the first global revolution, the book put out by the founders of the other big thing, Tag the Club of Rome, who said they hit upon the idea of accusing mankind of being the enemy of the planet and, and they could actually uh, implement that as a, as a belief system and they could control everyone's lives by, by using actual warfare techniques on the public. We're at war and we're, we're destroying the planet, therefore those are betters. The scientists must make war on the public to change our ways. So going back to the next million years, 1952, on page 202, uh, Charles Galton Darwin says, among the most important there will always be the creeds. Now that's beliefs, those with religions. And the belief in Mother Earth is a religion. The belief in fact of global warming is a religion. It's a man-made religion. He says, which without undue fanaticism inculcate a strong sense of social obligation since it is only through such creeds that life is possible in crowded communities. See, he already knew that eventually you'd have something called Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century by the United Nations, where everyone is to be taxed and, and booted off again through pollution of local environment, etc., into the overcrowded cities. And that ties in with the creation of an earth-based nature-type religion. 1952, right? He says, 
because it says that life is a, it'll make life possible in a crowded community. There will also be no doubt be fanatical creeds to disturb the peace of the world, and there will be others to comfort the world. I shall not attempt to conjecture what the tenets of these last will be. Their main function is to act as a solace to their believers in the very bleak world I have described. Well, listen to the news today. They're certainly creating a bleak future. It's only this that makes the world tolerable for many people, and this will be much more true in times of real hardship, meaning giving you a religion, than in periods of relatively easy prosperity like the present. The detailed march of history will depend a great deal on the creeds, religions, held by the various branches of the human race. It cannot be presumed with any confidence that purely superstitious creeds will always be rejected by civilized communities in view of the extraordinary credulity shown even now by many reputedly educated people. It is true that there may not be many at the present time whose actions are guided by an inspection of the entrails of a sacrificial bull, but the progress has not been very great, for there are still many believers in palmistry or astrology, and by the way, they use these guys, they put them out there in the New Age, the guys that run the CIA. They do this kind of stuff. MI6 does it too. They started this a long time ago. It is to be expected that in time of the future, as in the past, there will be superstitions which will notably affect the course of history. This is global warming. And some of them, such as ancestor worship, will have direct effects on the development of the human species. The reason, by the way, uh, that he's a, a guy who's heavily into genetics, to do with ancestor worship, and how they'd actually push that, is to tie the religion in with your ancestry to do with genetics, because genetic engineering is all part of eugenics. And this guy here worked on perfecting the human species, at least the working types. See that all ties together? But superstitious creeds will hardly be held by the highly intelligent, and it's precisely the creed of these that matters. So the highly intelligent will not be superstitious, but they do have a belief. Is it possible that there should arise a eugenic creed, a belief system, which perhaps working through what I have called the method of unconscious selection should concern itself with the improvement of the inherent nature of man instead of resting content with merely giving him good but impermanent acquired characters. Without such a creed, man's nature will only be changed through the blind operation of natural selection. With it, he might aspire to do something towards really changing his destiny from the eugenics. Then he concludes, this is towards the end of the book, he says, I have cited the past history of China, now listen to this, 1952, as furnishing the type of an enduring civilization. It seems to provide a model to which the future history of the world may be expected, expected broadly to conform. Now, I've read articles before from the United Nations touting this new China, this is what we think of as a recent China, as a model state for the world, meaning the world will emulate China with its population policies, with, it, with its blind obedience to its dictatorial government, and so on. 
uh, and how everyone acts like the mass there. I watched a, 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 an article on this particular a video on this particular subject, and it was a it was a China it was a big big festival in China, and you saw them all doing these acrobatics together, making a massive pyramid, of course. And the commentator was saying, it's so wonderful how they all work as one, you see. And here's a man, heavily, a guy, remember, who worked on the atom bomb and many other projects with gen- and genetics as well. From a long lineage of scientists, bred scientists, yep, they can breed scientists. Talking about China being the model for the world. Years before, China was just coming out of third world status then. Be back with more after the following break. Of ever-changing extent, 
which most of the time will be competing against one another. And what's the story right now? Well, we've got to come down with our standard of living. We've got to compete with China. The very argument put out there by thinking people, when we first heard that they were building China up to be the manufacturer for the planet, we said then that the next thing they'll tell us is we don't have to compete with China at 25 cents an hour for labor. 1952. The regions of the world will fall into provinces of ever-changing extent, which most of the time will be competing against one another. Occasionally, more rarely than has been the case in China, they will be united by some strong arm, meaning force will be used into an uneasy world government. 1952. Remember? So we're being forced into world government. Look at the anti-terrorism nonsense we've been fed because all the rights been stripped away from every country across the planet at the same time with the same laws until everybody is spied on there is no privacy whatsoever so we're strong armed into an uneasy world government which will endure for a period now here's the plan until it falls by the inevitable decay that finally destroys all dynasties there will be periods when some of the provinces relapse into barbarisms. But all the time, civilization will survive in some of them. They mean there will be a high standard of living for a few in certain places. It will survive because it will be based, now listen to this, on a single universal culture. Derived from the understanding of science. Remember what Huxley said, the scientific dictatorship. He saw no reason why it couldn't endure for hundreds of years. And Huxley himself and the Darwins are related, as are all these big players. There are American dynasties too who are all interrelated with them as well very old establishment people who run the country and they too do their part with their think tanks they're all interconnected and they're all specialized in their own particular areas and how do they ensure that they bring in their kind of future generation after generation well you see they always make sure they're in control of the youth you indoctrinate an early age. Remember, one of their great pals here were, was Lord Bertrand Russell, who did experimental schools. Today, he'd be locked up for the things that he experimented with, or maybe not. It's got so debased in society. Where he promoted uh, intergenerational sex, prepubertal sex, and so on, in order to see if they could destroy the necessity for bonding and separate the bonding instinct or affection or love for the purely physical act itself in order to destroy the family unit. And these are now in effect as well. He said we'll do it through the school system internationally. I'll be back with more after the following break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix, tying up some loose ends to show you that nothing develops out of nowhere. It always is directed. All systems are directed from a a capstone, you might say. And who runs the capstone is very, very old families who pretty well own the system. They ran the West during the Cold War. They also ran the other side. They ran Germany during World War II. They brought in the top Nazis and the scientists after World War II, mainly into the United States some into Latin America, some into Britain, lots, in fact, into Britain. The British public are only finding that out now. Because, remember, war is mainly to alter the cultures on both sides, and out of war comes treaties and agreements and amalgamations, and we have an amalgamated Europe that came out of World War II. The dream of Winston Churchill was in an amalgamated Europe. In the 60s, the 1960s, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council of Foreign Relations, had their annual meeting in London, England, and it was in the newspapers at the time that the purpose of the meeting, that was that lasted for two weeks or three weeks, was to, to decide who was to be given the job of creating a global culture. Should it be the music, entertainment systems, movie industry of Britain, or the United States? And eventually they settled on the United States. Hollywood would be given the prime role to, to put forward not their idea of a culture. They were given their marching orders too as to what kind of culture to promote through the movies and through the music and through fashion. The CIA, as I say, ran and funded the culture industry and is still doing it today. It hasn't given up. Why would it give it up? You lose control. It's probably more active than ever today, in fact. But there's so many specialized departments within, within the CIA to deal with all of this. And as I say, it's been disclosed that they're big funders. And the money that was funneled through them, apart from the taxpayer and black budgets and, and open above board budgets, was also the big foundations. The same foundations that were all mentioned as comprising the IG Farben group that funded Hitler all through the war. Now you start to get the picture. The United Nations also came out of World War II, and it's not a little passive entity that sits and has meetings and, and complains about the poverty of the planet. That's how it's projected to the public. It's set up already to take over as at least the first type or form of world government. And as I said before, they always go for the youth. That's why another friend and relative of the, the, the Galton Darwins and, and, and the rest of them, Huxley, etc., talked about the creation of an international education system, and that was Julian Huxley, the brother of Aldo Huxley. He was the first CEO of UNESCO, United Nations Educational Department, for creating 
our world culture through indoctrination of succeeding generations of children. As children grow up, they will follow that indoctrination not through their life, that will form their opinions for their life, and then they become obsolete in a sense because they, they won't move from that particular set of imprints that are left in them, so therefore they go for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, always progressing towards this ideal system they're bringing in. That ties in with an article I've just read today, in fact, from the United Nations, from their own website. It says, Global Youth Culture by Richard Kahn and Douglas Kellner. Global Youth Culture is a transdisciplinary category by which theorists and policy analysts attempt to understand the emergence of the complex forms of hybrid culture and identity that increasingly occur amongst the youth throughout the world due to the proliferation of media like film. Now, remember, as I've said, the 60s, 1960s meeting to decide who would be given the task of creating a global culture. And here's the United Nations today saying this, of media like film, television, popular music, the Internet, and other information and communication technologies in their everyday lives. While some measures of hybridity is a common aspect of culture generally and the global exchange of products, people, culture, and identities has characterized all colonial histories, recent corporate globalization, and the corresponding rise of so-called information society based on new media technologies has produced a particularly dynamic media culture. In this cultural matrix, global and local, as well as homogenizing and diversifying influences continuously merging the lifestyles, performance, and socio-political practices of contemporary youth. It's the last part that's important. Merging the lifestyles, meaning you're all copying the same kind of lifestyles that's projected mainly through fiction. Performances and socio-political practices of contemporary youth. Socio-political practices, what they believe in, what they can fight for or die for and so on. It says here, youth defined alternatively as post-adolescent and pre-adult groups or by the United Nations as over the 1.1 billion young people between the ages of 15 and 24 are perceived as a primary engine for the growth of global media culture. See, the children are the primary engine. The growth of global media culture. Youth generally comprise the most media and technologically literate sector of their societies and the multinational corporations that trade in global media commodities actively target young people as a consumer class now believed to be worth more than two trillion in potential sales. Now it's not about sales in actuality. It's about the fact that using the system of commerce and the big international corporations which are all interconnected and they're all part as well of promoting a particular singular culture which ties in exactly with the principles of the United Nations. They're telling you here that that's who they're targeting. The youngsters are the engine. And that's why they always go for them. Now it says here, the global youth culture draws upon the Frankfurt School. You understand what the Frankfurt School was all about. And again, who funded all of that? 
and all the group that came out of the Frankfurt School. So the Frankfurt School's conception of culture industry, that in this updated context signifies the process by which industrialized mass-produced culture, mass-produced culture, and commercial imperatives drive global capitalism and attempt to legitimate its aims by integrating youth into the capitalist system by means of their involvement with new media technologies. Was it Al Gore said? No child left behind. They'd all have to get their computers. Why was it so important? Why was so much of the taxpayers' money put in to being sure that children across the planet would be divided and separated from the previous generation because they'd be, they'd be techno geeks and their, their adult parents would be old-fashioned, obsolete beings that just fed them and gave them money. Divide and conquer, divide and conquer. You can read this whole article for yourself as well. I'm just showing you how it all ties together and nothing, but nothing, develops but on its own. Nothing at all. We are so far removed from normal, we don't know what normal is anymore. Because everything in society was debated before being introduced into society by the very powerful rich men in the world who still run the world and who are not going to let it ever go out of their clutches. So all of you who vote for people you know nothing about, who love the, the image creator's persona that's projected to you, of nice people who are basically at heart just nice social workers and you make them presidents and then you wonder who these big think tanks are and big foundations behind them after you vote them in shame on you shame on you now we'll go to the callers now and we've got Chris Hinckley who's also a host of Road Warrior Radio are you there Chris? yes yes Hi, go ahead yeah uh, well, first of all, you're a prophet. You know that, right? No, well, some say that. I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted to uh, touch base and 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 say, you know, thanks for everything that you do. It's always great. And um, today, it's particularly poignant. Um, I don't know if many people know or are even going to start talking about this, but there was a report uh, that was produced for the NIC. That was released today, and all of the all of the who's who of the think tanks, policy institutes, everybody in the West worked on it. Yes. And uh, it's it's titled uh, NIC has it. The Atlantic Council obviously worked on it, and um, all of the others. But it's titled Global Trends 2025: A Transformed World. Yes. And you can go to the NIC website. You can go to Atlantic Council. You can find it all over the place. New York Times did a a write-up on it today, uh, titled Global Forecast by U.S. Intelligence Sees CADA Falter. And the point uh, that I would make with that and one other thing is that it's exactly um, what you're talking about. I mean, everything that you're saying mm-hmm. is in there, and I would encourage your audience that, you know, if they're going to look at anything in the media or anything that comes out uh, um, in front of us, you know, other than the, the materials that you mentioned, I would encourage everyone to read that document. If you're going to read any any uh, report from from a think tank or an institute this year, that's the one to read because everybody worked on it. Yes, could you send me that link? Yeah. 
Pardon? Could you send me that link? Yes, I can. And the okay, and the other Okay. And the other uh thing that I was gonna mention in conjunction with what you're saying, um was, you know, speaking of the kind of the amalgamation of think tanks and institutes, uh fora.tv um is kind of the the information exchange for the video uh that all of the think tanks and institutes put out. And there's a video, you're talking about the, um, I forget how you phrased it, but when you said it, I thought of the video uh, titled Environmentalism is the New Religion. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, you didn't say that exactly, you said it a different way, but it was it was basically the same sentiment. And, and that was uh, a talk by Ian Plymer, who's the pre- professor of mining geology at the... Uh, University of uh, Adelaide, and you know they're all they're a bunch of them saying the same kind of thing. But and in fact, know, I, I have got a report here from another scientific organization saying the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's spreading around your community very quickly uh, about this this new basically it's a religion based on the greening. You know that's what the whole green agenda, the green right. party, etc., was set up even to take over eventually uh, of this whole system. And be right well, too. What the interesting part is, all information for every sector goes through a particular channel. It's almost like a censor bureau to decide what gets released to the public. And people realize, even within the New Age movement, that even some of their their, their heroes that they follow, uh, that some of them even go through the the patriot side of it, um, are all going through a certain channel as well. I know who the person is who funds most of their videos and what is involved in, etc. Exactly. Um, so, so everything in this world is managed. Everything, all information. Well, I, uh, I, I was listening. I was trying to to uh, behave myself and just listen. But I thought because uh, you know of the report and the fact that it came out today, and mm-hmm. I mean it's astonishing. I won't I won't take up a lot of your time, but I'm telling you, it is all in there. And for for people that care to know. Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, well, first of all, guess who the new superpowers are? China and India in the report. Yeah, that's right. And one of the, there are a few scenarios that they mention, global scenarios that they put out. And like you're saying, you know, obviously we need to respond to the promulgated crisis. But uh, one of the global scenarios they put out is a world without the West. Yeah, that's right. And, Submergence you know, of I mean, the West, yeah. Exactly. Everything that you've been talking about, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So for anybody that's interested, um, I would say it's an absolute must read because again, everybody worked on this one. Yeah, you send can, me those, those links, so now I'll, I'll put them up tonight and find them. Got it. It's, I mean, Rand, CFR, uh, Texas A&M, Chatham House, mm-hmm. um, you know, CSIS, Atlantic Council. I mean, everybody, everybody who's everybody yes. worked on it. So anyway, thanks for everything you do. Well, thanks for calling, Chris. You bet. I know. And that's the fact. That's how it all works out. Uh, they're all coordinated. They're all on board. They even have particular agencies and foundations that coordinates them all on the same track to make sure they're all on the same track at the same time in every aspect. That's how the world is really, really run. It is just astonishing. Now we'll go to... Uh, Tony from BC, British Columbia. Are you there, Tony? 
Yes, hello, Alan. Hello. I've been listening to your show for uh, a while now, and uh, you're really appreciated, I have to tell you. Uh, two things, uh, if I may. Um, yeah. Could you arrange for uh, something other than PayPal to uh, for contributions? Um, there's also, um, well, even personal checks are, are okay, you know. <laughs> okay, I can do that. I can do that. Your personal um, checks are fine. Yeah. Some, some sure, well, I, people I, even yeah, send cash and envelopes. <laughs> I would definitely want to support uh, your work. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, just a, a little question. Whereabouts in Ontario exactly do you live? It's up Astair. Astair, yeah. I, I've lived in Ontario most of my life. I live in BC now, but uh, it, it doesn't ring a bell. Yes, it's, it's further north. It's up Sudbury Way. Ah, okay, okay. Now, this is a little bit off topic, and I don't know if you care to really comment on this, but um, what uh, what is your feelings on, on the, all these 2012 uh, um, prophecies that are well, floating around? Well, the, the, the elite have always used... That this, again, it's like Huxley there and, and um, or Charles Galton Darwin. They understand the creeds. And here's a quote from Lord Bertrand Russell. He says, that there's no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made the, the creed, the belief system of the vast majority of people by adequate government action. And that's been done with the global greening, the climate change and all this kind of stuff. But it's also the New Age movement as well. And believe you me, they run, I've met some of them, from the Canadian federal government who are set out into the world to help create and set up their branches of the whole New Age movement. And they push all this stuff um, uh, to, to, to really confuse us, to make us believe it's that it's inevitable, it must happen. Hold on and I'll continue with you after this break. through the matrix and we have Tony from British Columbia on the line who's asked a pertinent question because you have to understand, look at the history of covert warfare and psychological warfare which has been released a lot of it to the public if they care to go and look for it Hitler used the same Nostradamus' prophecies a revamped, rewritten, reinterpreted prophecy to, to infiltrate Poland and other countries before, years before they invaded it with the idea of getting the public to believe that this was inevitable. You couldn't fight fate. It was destiny. So a greater Germany would, would, would come over and, and win, and they'd all be part of it. And so don't do anything about it. There's no point. Britain had a massive team working on the same project to counter that propaganda, and it dropped billions of leaflets all over uh, many of the countries of Europe uh, with their interpretations of this too. Money is of no object, and they've always used... Prophecy done through the ages. Remember, we're the most studied species on the planet. Now, big changes are, to, are scheduled to come in 2010 as, as the, the last signatory of the amalgamation of the Americas comes into effect, and then we're totally one. And then 2012, they're going to start to raise the United Nations up to prominence. But when you look at the Department of Defense's NATO projection for the next 25 years again, 25, 30 years, it always is the same. They're not worried about anything, losing control because of some prophecy uh, coming in 2012. They'll use things against the people. 
They do want all the New Agers, and pretty well everyone today has been influenced by the New Age. Anyone born from the, the 50s, 60s onwards has been heavily influenced by it. Because mystery is part of human nature. Again, you're back to creeds and belief systems and superstitions. These guys know, these professional people know, in psychological warfare, how we tick. And these, they furnish us with the belief systems that will render us helpless. Because how could you possibly fight fate, you see? That, that's the reason, I, the reason I ask, Alan, yeah. is um, you talked about the, uh, the inculcation of the youth uh, with computers. And, and yes. I, mean, I, I confess to watching TV and, and the predominance of uh, violent, apocalyptic-type video games. Yes, absolutely. It's, just, it's, it's overwhelming. Uh, and that, uh, that, along with uh, reports of seed banks and uh, huge, massive bunkers like in Russia and the Caucasus and yep. certain places in the States, it, it's kind of, I mean, the, the, the prophecies yes. are more... It's all predictive programming because they are going to change the world. It's nothing to do with the stars or the positions of, of, or, the, or the photon belt coming through or any of that stuff that's been promoted out there has to do with the fact that this is simply the time schedule of the big business plan, and that's the year that they settled on. They start bringing down the West as we submerge into this global system, the standard of living drops. And like Jack Satali said, the next boat people will be Americans. He also meant Canadians, by the way, uh, trying to leave their shores, looking for work abroad. This is a system that has been planned, and it's nothing to do with the Anunnaki uh, the, the Mayan prophecy or anything else is to do with this is the schedule, this is the big schedule and these guys run the world just like a, a big business plan with 50 year plans 60, 100, 200 year plans etc yeah. well thank you Alan and thanks for calling and that's how it's done I hear the music coming in now so it's time for me to go in the snowy interior night in Canada so from Hamish and myself it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>